California Energy Markets is the premier source of independent news and information on the electric and natural gas sectors in California and the Southwest. Published weekly by NewsData since 1989, California Energy Markets covers energy policy, resources, markets, infrastructure, and other vital topics. Thousands of energy professionals rely on CEM to help them better understand and navigate these dynamic energy times. Visit newsdata.com to find out why and start your subscription today. Again, that's newsdata, one word, dot com. Hey, before we get started, I want to apologize for the audio quality on this week's episode. We had some technical issues and a blizzard that made comp- uh, recording a bit complicated. Should be back to our normal selves next week. Thanks for your patience. Welcome to Newsdata's Energy West a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with Newsdata's Clearing Up, joined by my co-host and editor of Newsdata's California Energy Markets, Jason Forney. We're here with some of the top stories we've been working on lately. First, uh, Jason, how are you doing? What's new in California? Doing great, Dan. It's uh, very snowy, as you've probably been hearing. I'm up here at about 5,000 feet right now and. uh, Looking like a blizzard out there. So I've been doing a lot of snow blowing the past couple of days. But beautiful. But yeah, um, getting hit pretty hard. What's it like? Yeah, where you I, I know. We're going to have to talk quickly so that the uh, blizzard doesn't cut our connection here. Yeah. Hopefully it'll work out all right. Well, I was fortunate enough to see a bunch of snow this past week. I was out in eastern Oregon skiing at Bachelor. Um, and I've never been out in Eastern Oregon. It's the high desert. It is phenomenally beautiful, breathtaking, sweeping plains, snow covered yeah. peaks behind them. You know, you drop into canyons driving out there. Uh, of course, yep. when we were on the mountain, we got beautiful powder, but like whiteout conditions every day. So you couldn't see any of that from the mountain, but, wow. uh, the skiing was great. So we sound more relaxed. Thank you. I feel relaxed. As One relaxed as you can be when you take three little kids skiing. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the West is beautiful, there's no doubt. It's an amazing place. Love it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as difficult as it is for me to admit that as a New Englander, <laughs> I mean, the West, it is pretty hard to compete with the uh, just the, the drama of the landscape out here. You know, a lot of that, um, especially yeah, down here in in California. But I'm enjoying it. You know, I, I say like in in great writing, the landscape can become a character. That's certainly true for any any book set in the West. You can just write the landscape into it. You know, in, in New England, where I'm mm-hmm. from, you know, it's it's been worn yeah. down over millions and millions of years. So it's like basically, yeah. You know, take a sander to it and just everything's kind of worn down. Uh, but there you've got the, the dramas and the history, all the ghosts that are written into the landscape. So True. there's drama all around. You just got to open your eyes. Look for it. Once the Appalachians used to be as high as the Himalayas. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what I always heard. I, <laughs> higher, I think even, you know, if we're going to get competitive. But, <laughs> no, indeed. Well, before we lose you to the snow, uh, what do you have for us this week? 
All right. Well, I'm going to be talking about some new procurement from the California Public Utilities Commission, a write-up from Ann Ernst, sort of the continuing effort by California to get more energy. And then uh, we'll be talking about EVs, so I'll be discussing a few topics from the EV infrastructure panel I covered uh, out at NARUC in, in Washington, D.C., some interesting topics there. And then... I have a story I did last week about how California used to think it had too much power and now it doesn't have enough. So yeah, some interesting findings and uh, talk to a couple of people about that. So what do you have going on? Yeah, that is definitely something planners want to get on top of. Well, yeah. So yeah, I've got uh, some EV conversation to talk about talking about conversation whatever yeah. uh so we had our webinar on what is the road ahead for electrification of transportation in the northwest so mm -hmm. i've got uh i was going to catch listeners up on some of the key takeaways from that and then um a fight over natural gas ban down in eugene oregon and uh bpa putting money behind markets plus uh southwest power proposal or south southwest power pools uh offer for a organized market in the West. So uh, get us started with the you've said CPUC is looking to help get uh, procure resources for California. Yeah, the proposed decision had been out, but on February 23rd, CPUC approved that proposed decision from January. That proposed decision recommended the addition of four gigawatts of new zero emission energy resources for 2026 and 2027. That's on top of the 11.5 gigawatts it, the CPUC required in a June 2021 midterm reliability order. CPUC member John Reynolds said, quote, we continue to see higher frequencies of weather conditions, which impacts both supply and demand. Overall, electricity demand is increasing beyond levels in previous demand forecasts. That's due to a combination of factors, including weather more EVs, greater need for air conditioning, electrification of buildings, et cetera. So, yeah, uh, this is, um, I guess the decision said that also the drought, which has decreased availability of hydro, less imports, and retirement of generation units. So we've been talking about this a little bit on staff, and it's a huge amount of energy that the CPC needs or California needs over the next few years and um, playing a little bit of catch up. I will uh, discuss that more in a little bit, but let's see. Uh, CPC Pre President Alice Bushing Reynolds noted that load serving entities were given an extension to June 1st, 2028 to procure certain long lead time resources. Those resources required from that June 2021 decision and adding up to two gigawatts in each of the years for 26, 27, and 28, will likely need additional time. One thing they're running into, as everybody knows, is supply chain shortages really affecting things. So, yeah, a lot of energy in the works here for California, and it's only exists on paper yet. But, uh, yeah, and more gigawatts coming. You know, I know we were going to your story on how California went from thinking it had too much power to not enough we were going to mm -hmm. hit that last but i mean it just seems to like dovetail like this just is crying out like what's going on with california 
<laughs> they can't. They're trying to procure what you say, eleven gigawatts, uh, but they think that they've got enough, and then they think they don't have enough of these. So, how do these two fit together? Well, I'll get into it a little bit. You know, there was some politics here and some media. Um, I talked to Ed Randolph from the CPUC. There were some political reasons for this. Um, after some articles ran in some prominent newspapers questioning why there was overgeneration. But yeah, the the worry six years ago was overgeneration. And you know, you can blame climate change, you can blame weather, but gosh, I can't imagine that has, you know, we're looking at 15 gigawatts that they're going to need here. And it's not easy to procure this and build it. But um that's what's on the menu. So we'll see how that goes. And yeah, EVs, electrification, a lot of reasons for this, I suppose. So last week we had a panel on uh, electrification of transportation in the Northwest, really how mandates adopted by Oregon and Washington, the two states adopted uh, standards or the mandates that California had adopted of uh, by 2035, having a hundred percent of new sales of personal vehicles uh, be electric or zero emission. Mm-hmm. So they, these two states have adopted those mandates. And, and what does that mean for transportation electrification and for what the utility industry, the power industry has to do to actually reach those uh, those goals? Uh, it was a really fascinating conversation. I unfortunately missed it, but I was listening to the, the tape of it. Our own reporter, Greg Mason, uh, chaired the panel and then wrote up kind of the key takeaways from it. We had uh, some people like people from a couple of the major utilities in the region, a regional planner, uh, somebody from the the head of the Washington, the uh, energy office, the Washington state department of commerce, Phil Jones, Mm -hmm. a former regulator in Washington and a, a leading advocate for electrification of transportation. But, one of the things I thought was most interesting was a point that Phil Jones made. Always fascinating to listen to this guy uh, was that, you know, he sees it as we're getting really close to a tipping point here with competition between EVs and internal combustion. And we're right now about $130 per kilowatt hour is the current battery cost. Uh, he said, you know, from what he and others believe is that when that hits about $100 per kilowatt hour, that, as he put it, uh, you know, it's game over for hmm. internal combustion engine cars, more or less. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, that's he. He's confident that we'll reach that point in the next few years. Now, yeah. the question is, though, as he also points out, uh, utility resource planning and load forecast processes, the processes that have been used for regulated utilities continue to be used as he sees it and others have raised this concern. They just aren't keeping up with the momentum that is on the horizon for this uh, this electrification wave. Some of the uh, people from the utility industry talked to some of those, talked about some of those challenges, what they're expecting to see. One thing that's tempering this is that even as new car sales become increasingly uh, EVs have a bigger market share, people are still holding on to cars for 15 years or so so it's not like it's just going to flip overnight still, 
you know, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot that needs to be done in the coming years. Uh, and and utilities like Seattle City Light and P- Portland General Electric, uh, they, who's had representatives on the panel, they recognize it. Uh, it's just you know a question of can can the utility industry and all the other you know uh, transportation departments and car manufacturers and the charging uh, manufacturers can they all get together to get this work done fast enough so that of course remains to be seen yep. big challenges ahead is definitely that is uh that is a certainty so i was just going to say you know this has never been done before of course and the utility industry and the utility infrastructure merging with transportation is a big deal and not an easy thing that's what the panel I covered at, at Nehruk had uh, people from the Electrification Coalition, um, New York Transportation Electrification uh, for National Grid. And this is a lot of discussion about data and modeling, which is really still being developed in this area. There's a, there's a big challenge. Um, what the general theme was is utility planning and transportation planning currently too siloed and that's where the greatest strides in planning can be made this is of course an audience of state utility regulators so it was an information session for them you know they were told you know communicate more with your transportation commissions uh here's brian wilkie from national grid saying quote i think the information and the data is all there it's just a question of utility commissions and utilities deciding that we need to squish what we do together into one unified plan. Um, one, one interesting thing he brought up was whether to connect charging infrastructure to the distribution system or directly to the transmission system. Yeah, they've done a lot of um, research in this area as to, you know, uh, how to, where to connect and, He's this uh, Brian Wilkie from National Grid was saying five megawatt facility is kind of the threshold to connect to the transmission network rather than the distribution system. Um, he told the state utility commissioners, you know, develop a relationship with your transportation commissions. And another thing about this is the infrastructure we're talking about here. Is going out decades. You know, this is not something you're planning to be around for 10 years, more like 50 years. So that is uh, one of the other challenges, I think. And finally, they said about three megawatts is the average size for medium and heavy duty trucks on road charging facilities. I guess you need more wattage or megawatts out on the road where they need to charge quicker, where in depots and, you know, in their, in their, facilities they can charge for longer periods of time so yeah general theme is more data more modeling and more synthesis between transportation and utility planning from that neighborhood panel and uh had a little story on that last week you know this is uh just another example of how fascinating i think the changes the and the fundamental changes that are going on in this industry that it's not right. just about like oh the technology is changing, but I mean it is forcing companies uh, to 
completely rethink how they go about providing power. Like I say to people who aren't in the industry, when I try to describe it, I basically I say basically everything except the physics of electricity is changing. I'd say that's accurate. And, you know, again, never been done before. And these are big decisions. They need to be done right. If we get this wrong, these these targets are not going to be hit. The public's, you know, I saw a Tesla on the side of the road the other day. Like people are going to have a low tolerance for not being able to where they want to go. So a, yeah. lot, a lot of issues. And part of the monumental changes, the monumental changes that the industry is going through it. And one of the unanswered questions is what role does natural gas have in this transition? So uh, the other story, one of the other stories I wanted to highlight here was another story by Greg Mason about a fight over natural gas that's going on in Eugene, Oregon. So the city council there early in early February passed a ban on uh, new natural gas hookups. But there's some polling that indicates that this was not widely supported by residents of the city that has a reputation as being a fairly left-leaning, environmentally conscious um, yeah, uh, demographic, at least among voters. So uh, Northwest Natural, one of the major gas companies in the Northwest, is uh, funding a petition drive to let the voters in the city of Oregon decide. They're trying to get 6,500 verifiable signatures by March 10th to put the issue on a ballot so we'll know soon whether or not petition drive has been successful. Okay. Um... Yep, my uh, my column last week was pretty newsy, but I found it very interesting that six years ago California thought it had too much power. PG&E when it declared when it decided to retire, Diablo Canyon said, you know, over generation is going to be a problem. And I was very interested in how we got from that to where we are now with you know a huge uh, kind of procurement backlog. Spoke to Ed Randolph. Um, who is a former deputy executive director for climate at the CPUC. He said at the time, this is back in 2017, there was definitely pressure at various points to not authorize additional procurement, despite the fact that planning agencies knew these generation retirements were coming. And then other Western states started to build their own renewable generation. What I did find interesting there was an article that ran, people might remember this if they're in the industry, um, ran in the Los Angeles Times. And it was all about how California's building too much generation. And that ended up putting a lot of political pressure on the CPC. So there was some politics to this. And um, that's how we kind of got to this situation that we're in. Even PG&E said continued operation of Diablo Canyon beyond 2025 would exacerbate overgeneration and require more curtailment of renewables. So, yeah, I did think that was interesting kind of story as to where we got the way politics can play in. I think there was, well, I know there's a lot of pressure from the legislature on the PUC to retire units and keep, you know, keep it as tight as they could and kind of living with that now, I would say. That was a really interesting story, and it is surprising and kind of shocking to see how rapidly opinions have changed on the, you know, the public 
consciousness of this issue have changed in the past six years. So yeah. the last thing, yeah, last story I, I wanted to mention before we uh, jump off here is Bonneville Power Administration announced that it has committed to helping fund the first phase of further development of Southwest Power Pools Markets Plus proposal. I'm sure listeners know uh, Markets Plus is the Southwest Power Pools proposed uh, day ahead and imbalance market. Uh, day ahead is you know is what it says. It's a day ahead market, largely financial, but it's, you know you're uh, moving anywhere from eighty to ninety percent of your power contracts at least. Uh, so huge hmm. ramifications for the efficiency of how utilities and, and service providers operate. California's independent system operator is offering a competing proposal, the day ahead market, extended day ahead market. We've been covering this extensively. Uh, this is a key step, though, in Markets Plus moving ahead and having you know, Bonneville behind it is a big win for Markets Plus. Lots more to go, so stay tuned. Uh, that's it from me, uh, Dan Cashpole. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studio. I'm on Twitter at the Catch Polls. Uh, news data is at CU News Data. Yep. I'm on Twitter at Fordian Energy. CEM is at CEM News Data. You can read more of our content at newsdata.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.